Introducing Buckets and Beyond, your friendly neighborhood Mavs podcast. Starting at forward, we've got Jay Bonnie in the building. Thank you. Glad to be here. <laughs> we've also got at shooting guard, producer Trey. You can call me Jamie. Oh, Jamie. That's two. Okay. <laughs> what up, Jamie? <laughs> and also starting at guard. Your boy from Ro- Rosemont, all the way from Oak Cliff. It's Ben Sarbo. Ah, yeah. oh we love you, Ben. We love you, Ben. <laughs> and newly signed on a one-day contract, we got Nick Victor. Yo, Bulldog in the building. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> All right, welcome, welcome. We're so glad to to finally get you on the pod. So. For those who don't know, Nick Victor um, played for Yale in college, played some basketball. And um, But before we get into all the fun stuff with that, I want to go way back to elementary school days where me and Nick shared the court together for the Rosemont Bison. So let's get to that real quick. Do you? What do you remember from that? That's my main thing is... Those were the glory days, man. What is, uh, I mean... <laughs> Best days of my life, Rosemont. That little, that little gym. We, that gym was like half the size of a normal gym. Have you ever been back there to that actual gym? It's been a while. They they built a whole new school like right after I left because we we kind of had like a gym where like the there was not a whole lot of room between the out of bounds yeah. and like a con- like a brick wall. It's <laughs> just like not the safest place to like run out for a loose ball or um then there was uh I think the half court line was like at, at the three point line like <laughs> definitely not regulation <laughs> but I think like we still had a good team like we uh I think like we ended up going to the to the championship of that little you know I guess elementary school league um, but I just remember it being uh, really fun because you were we we were all like in awe of how good Nick was. Like he had all this like, you know, he could knock down shots like nobody's business. Getting the paint, wow. he had handles. Like we're just like, oh my gosh! Like, you know, we were. I don't know. That's kind of how we were like looking at you, and then we would just kind of like you know try to you know keep up around you. You were very much a, like a LeBron style team where you know he's just you know. He's got a bunch of, you know, people in the background. Star, trying to make the anchor. <laughs> but um, I remember. You kept your hair, though, so that's good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that was, that was a good team. And we had some, like, some, like, good rivalries between, like, you know, there's, like, Lidaho, there's Winneka. And what's funny is, dude, I still remember the player, like, the kids on those teams. Like, I know – I. I can look back on each team and remember who is like their, their top players and like what, what could he could do. Like he could shoot, he could not shoot. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Like <laughs> you remember those kinds of things. I think that just this kind of a side note, I think that kind of speaks to why you went as far as you did, because at such a young age, you were learning not only your own game, but how to scout the other team and playing off of other players. I think that's the fact that you noticed that at such a young age 
is probably why you were so good. You were thinking steps ahead of what most kids at that age, they're focused on their own game and kind of playing with tunnel vision. <laughs> yeah, I think we were still trying yeah, to figure out how you to might be, You might be right. Uh. <laughs> I think uh, <laughs> there, there was, I remember this one play and this may have been the, like where I peaked. It was, there, there, it might have happened back to back, but I know we were on a fast break. It was me and you. And then I had the ball and then I had kind of like, you know, it was me and you and there's one other guy in, the, in between us. And then I kind of like went up like I was going to go for like a shot and I did like a behind the back to you and then you hit the layup. Do you remember that? I, I actually remember that. I actually what? do, dude. <laughs> that was awesome. Let's go, man. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> I your Steve Nash moment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> My dad legit. That was during like, Ben's MVP season. <laughs> yes, yes, no way. Absolutely. I, I was uh, – I think like that, my dad kind of like indoctrinated me like Pistol Pete and like, I'd like watched like a Pistol Pete movie, like right pretty recently. So I was like, oh, I'm going to try this like in game, try to do like behind the back. And then I think like, if I remember correctly, you did like a behind the back back to me, the next fast break or whatever it was a breakdown. But um, I just thought that was, that was awesome. Uh, Cause uh, that was, that was really fun. And so now that we've kind of done some way back reminiscent. I thought we'd go through. It's been five years since your Yale Bulldogs upset Baylor in the tourney, and just I just wanted to know what was it like to be a part of that that first tournament win for Yale. And it was it was cool. It's uh it's kind of crazy to think back that that was five years ago. It feels like it was just yesterday. But um, you know, watching these games now, like March Madness stuff, it's it's cool to look back and just think like, you know, I like played in those games. Like I, you know, I made some, put some damage in this, into that tournament, you know, it was, <laughs> um, it was cool. It was, it was, so when we went as a, when we, when I got there as a freshman, we kind of had like a good class as a, as a freshman unit. Um, like my, my class had, we had five guys and we were all pretty good. Um, but as freshmen, you don't really play. We had like one guy who's playing. He, he was like the player of the year senior, but um, we didn't really play. And, and so we just kind of had to sit on the sidelines and just watch. Our team was terrible as freshmen. Like we were really bad. And so we just kind of sat back and watched, but like we did our, you know, our homework and we worked hard and took four years to finally accomplish what we wanted to accomplish. But like we did it and it was, it was cool, man. It's, yeah, it was it was cool, and, and it was cool that um, when we got to the tournament, we got to play Baylor, just because like you know I know a lot of people that would go to Baylor went to Baylor from Texas, so um, you know being able yeah. to beat them, and then and then people like coming up to me like getting pissed at me for beating their team. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, I really wanted to make sure that I was uh, on this episode. The fun fact about me, my, my grandfather was the president of Baylor University for some time. Uh, my family runs very, very deep Baylor law really? and still live there. So thanks. Yeah. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> so thanks. Much appreciated. I, I, rem- I remember this game uh, in vivid detail. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you got you know what you got out of that though? You got the Torian Prince quote, the uh the rebound quote. <laughs> to the yeah. game. That's lived. That's why this game I think lives like on like every year. Uh, I agree. I agree. Every year that's like the yeah. uh, the gift that people will use as like, hey, this is this went down this day where uh a bunch of <laughs> a bunch of Ivy League 
basketball players out rebounded, you know, the, the Baylor, you know, super athletes, you know, that they, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just I thought that was you funny. specifically about Torian Prince. Like, like what was his, I, I watched the highlights. You had to go toe to toe and guard him. He's still in the league thriving to this day. Like, like, what was that like guarding him and, and getting under his skin and stuff? Like, were there moments where y'all really did get under his skin? Like, are there others like moments guarding him that you remember in that game? Like, oh yeah. We, challenge? yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the definite challenge he's, I mean, he scored, I think 29 points on me. So <laughs> you could say it's a challenge. Uh, no, I mean, he, he's a cool dude. Um, I honestly didn't realize how good he was when we played him. Like I, I watched some film on him and, you know, I didn't, he's like six, seven, six, eight, just shooting over me. Like I, I would kind of like, I felt was get staying in front of him, but then he would just pull up and, shoot right over me and that's so tough to guard um you know i i like prided myself as a good defensive player and then i get to the tournament and torian prince drops 29 i think grace now had 30 on me the next game <laughs> it was kind of humbling but uh but yeah man torian prince he, he's doing well in the league now i mean he's he's a good role player like and he plays defense and rebounds scores he can still score uh, in the nba so it was cool. It was cool seeing like, you know, where do I stack up against these types of guys? Um, so clearly not, not well enough. <laughs> Drop 30 on me, but yeah, it was oh, really man, cool. You killed it, bro. Like, like that's a hell of an accomplishment even getting that far, like blows my mind. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask too, like, so y- y'all had a really honestly historic season for Yale, like that season. What was it like? Um, Y'all had y'all's last home game, or I guess y'all had a, y'all had, y'all's last two games that season were away games. What was it like finishing the season strong and then like going into the tournament? Like like you finished the regular season, y'all know y'all going to the tournament. Like like what are y'all going through? What, what are y'all doing to prepare at that time? Like what's the vibe? Like are y'all like excited? Are y'all nervous? Are y'all preparing extra hard? Is it like a special game? Is it is it you know is, is the travel any different? Like like kind of walk us through that. If you remember. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm trying to think. So those last two games we played Cornell, Columbia and Cornell is kind of like a, always an easy win. Um, no, it's not always an easy win. If I like, they aren't that good. <laughs> and then Columbia, we always had trouble playing Columbia my four years. I think, I don't think we won at Columbia my, my first three years. So that was kind of a tough game, but we went into it. And on, while we're on the bus on the way to that game, we get word that Harvard beat uh, Harvard beat Princeton, who like Princeton is it, it was us in Princeton tied at the time. And so Harvard beat Princeton. So it was like, we're like, oh, we got a chance to win this. If we, you know, it's in our hands if we just beat Columbia. So we went into the into that game, like, you know, determine our own destiny. And uh it was kind of it was kind of cool. Like every single game, it's kind of a weird gym. It's a really small, it's almost like a high school gym, but it, it's really intense. It's very like intimate. So uh, it's it's they have a good crowd, and so we go in there. You know, the first three years, and we kind of get smacked, even though we're the probably the better team. And so I, I think the that game we went in and we just we just knew we weren't going to lose. I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to explain. Like we, we just like, we got up early 15 points, I think early. And they started to make a run in the second half and the crowd started to get into it. And at no point in that game 
like I've watched rewatched the game at no point we're like we like nervous or like shattered or like you know it's kind it was cool like it it was everything kind of came together at that one moment um so we won that game and honestly that was my main goal so just was just to win that tournament or just to win the Ivy League I didn't really have the mindset of like let's go deep in the tournament Uh, and I look back I'm like why the hell like what am I doing? Like, I should have like set my goals a little higher, but like, I, I, you know, we won, we won the championship and I was like, I don't know. I don't want to say content, but like. That's a tremendous accomplishment at the time. Like for like, I, I kind of know, yeah. I can see what you mean. You know, like that, that's already a tremendous thing to, 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 to beat the Ivy league. And, you know, there were other, it's hard to battle into. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard to like set your goals even higher than that. I guess I mean I should have, but um, so then so then yeah, we go, we have like a week off after that game, or not off, but we're practicing, but like we don't know who we're gonna play. We it, you know we can't really scout, so we're just doing skill stuff. So we're you know getting shots up, ball handling, that kind of stuff, uh, lifting, stretching, um, and then you know lifting towards the end of the season is much lighter. Um, it's more stretch stuff injury prevention type stuff towards the end. Um, so we're just doing that and like kind of hanging out. Uh, that's, that's during spring break. So there's no one really on campus. So we're just kind of like hanging out, uh, drinking with the, just with the team, like kind of, you know, so, and, uh, then week comes by, um, and we do like the whole announcement thing where they announce who you're playing. And so they got fans in the gym and we got Baylor and everyone was like, as soon as we got Baylor, we're like, Ooh, we could do this. Like this, is, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they were like a good team, of course, but it's, that's just your classic power five, like kind of overrated kind of, you know, we knew we, we could do it. And, and it's funny that you, you look at the tournament and there's always like the 12, five upset. And you always like, why is that? And I think it's because the 12 seat, like they never, the committee never puts small schools above a 12 seed for whatever reason. So like, even if we're better than uh, a big power five school, they're not going to put us above a 12. Mm-hmm. And so that's why the 12 five is always those upsets. Um, and so we kind of just walked right into that. And, and then we, we look at all like the line, you know, they put up the the Vegas lines and ours is like the best, the best one. So we're like, okay, we could do this, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then we did, we walked in there, we did it. So yeah it's cool that's crazy um so uh real quick like as far as like kind of uh being in an upset and now you see in especially in this march madness like what what do you see in all of these upsets that keep popping up that you think like are maybe similar to your upset or like maybe like something common that you saw um i think one of the trends that i'm starting to see is that like more, why more upsets are occurring is just because I think in the tournament, uh, your biggest asset is veteran, like your veteran status. Like you look at a lot of the most successful teams and of course Gonzaga doesn't do this theory well, but, um, (laughs) they're all older, like seniors and juniors that have chemistry and have been together and know the game together. Um, and so that's kind of, I think why you see some upsets of these, you know, big power five schools who have one and done. It's like, of course they're talented, but 
in a one game situation, it's not all about talent. So, um, you know, you look at like some of these, some of these games this year, those teams, a lot of these teams that are making upsets are junior seniors on the teams. Um, and plus this year is just weird with, with, the the off season with COVID and, you know, mm, it's yeah. harder, harder to prepare all that stuff. Um, but it, 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 that's my theory. But then again, Gonzaga is like all young kids and they're really good. <laughs> so cool. real quick, before we go back to break, um, can you kind of expand on that a little more? I'm not like, I ran track like in high school, like, but I was, I, I quit that to do band. Like I was a band nerd, not an athlete to us that aren't athletes. It's, it can be hard to judge. What is that? Um, like, like going from your freshman year to your senior year, how much growth was that? Like, is there, a, is there generally a wide gap between freshmen and seniors? Yeah, I think so. Um, it, it kind of equalizes the talent a little bit. Uh, at least, and especially in the Ivy league where it's, you know, eight teams in the league and everyone knows everyone. Um, and everyone stays for four years predominantly. <laughs> so you get to know each other. Um, so I think just, you know, you can come, of course you can come in as a freshman and just have uber talent and just be super good and just you're better than everyone. But I think, you know, as you grow into, you know, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, you just kind of get a better feel for it. You can kind of be a little more crafty. Um, you can take advantage of things that freshmen don't know. Like, you know, sometimes freshmen don't know how to help side on defense. Welcome back to Buckets and Beyond. We've got Nick Victor, former Yale Bulldog, and uh, he's in the building to talk a little bit about college hoops. Um, do you have any more questions for, uh, for Nick as far as like uh, college stuff uh, before we move on? Um, yeah, a few things I was curious about. Uh, you wore the number 21. Um, I'm curious if that has any significance to you or anything. Uh, um, honestly, I wanted to be 20 and someone already had it. So <laughs> I just went, went up from there. <laughs> uh, who had number yeah. 20? I was very worried. If it had anything to do with Tim Duncan, we would just hang up on him oh, right now. God, no, no, come on now. No way. <laughs> um, it was it was the point guard on our team and he was actually he was pretty good. So I couldn't take his number. <laughs> nice. Was he like older than you? Who was it? What was his name? Yeah, he, he was older. Javier Duran. He's a year older than me. Okay. So. Yeah. Seniority. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Um, so like as far as now that you're kind of you're back in you're back in Dallas, you're uh I'm curious on what your thoughts are on the maps now that you know with all that's been going on. Oh man, I it's a love-hate relationship with the Mavericks right now, man. I uh, I struggle with them sometimes. I'm a diehard. I mean, I'm going to stick with them till I die, but like, God, I feel like they just have, they're, they're not doing with what they have, what they should be doing. Does that make sense? Like they, they've got, a, they've got talent. They've got a good coach and they've got a, a city behind them. Like I think they should be doing a little more than they, they are personally, but you know, they, they lose these games to these teams that they should be easily beating and they lose them in the last 10 minutes of the game. And it's really frustrating, but what do y'all think? 
Yeah, well, we yeah, can they... cover the Mavs. So, like, all, all the, yeah, that love-hate thing, man, like, that's real. Because it gets, like, watching every game, man, like, it's frustrating watching this team. And games like last night where, well, last night was a, was a fun game, I guess. Uh, we had Luka in, we had KP in. Um, I guess we had him in. We had him in for the second half. Yeah, yeah. Um, for some reason, the Mavs play with rosters consistently. That's such a part of the season. You know, sitting sitting people out of game, sitting Luca this game, sitting KP this game. KP was out with um um what was KP out with? He, he had a, oh yeah, he was getting his, his leg worked on early this year, and we also had a COVID scare. Like it's just been it's just been a huge mess, and it's been yeah. frustrating having Co- having KP back. Because it really hasn't been like KP's back. It hasn't been yeah. like that really besides a few game stretches where we're like, oh, wow, this is exciting. KP's back. But he's, he's never, yeah, he's like the max KP. player that doesn't play super great all the time. It's just, it depends on like the night. And I think like what's been good is like we've had these three wins this week where we beat the, you know, beat the Thunder, beat the Celtics, and we beat the Knicks. So we're kind of like building our momentum for when, you know, pretty soon after we play the Wizards, we play the the Jazz. And like we need to really like step up in those measuring stick type games because, you know, these are the games that we should be winning regardless. Um, but honestly, I think what the Mavs front office realized is they're like, oh, like we can't sit Luca and KP against, you know, the the Pelicans because we're not that good without Luca and KP. So hopefully that was like an eye-opening thing for them. So where like, you know, they they realize how much they need, you know, floor time together to get consistent, to get like in their in their groove. So when playoffs comes around, we can kind of hopefully get that, you know, the same Luca and KP that we had in the bubble. But I don't know. Right. And we're, I mean, you said it right. Like we're not good enough to sit guys and then lose a game because those games are going to come back to haunt us. You know, the difference between the five seed and the eight seed is like, you know, three games or whatever. So each game matters. So when we drop one to like the thunder, it's like, you know, what are we doing? And it's just frustrating personally. What's extra frustrating, well, at least in recent weeks, what's been frustrating to me is how early in the season we were like, okay, we're going to have to worry about the Lakers. We're going to have to worry about the Clippers. You know, maybe throw in another one of these wild card teams. Throw the Suns in there. Throw the throw the Jazz in there. Like, maybe throw the Nuggets in there. Like, there's only a three or four teams that the Mavericks really have to worry about. Like, that's what we thought coming into the season. And then the Nets, since the beginning of the season, <laughs> the Nets have become the NBA Nets. Like, they just picked up Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge in the last couple of weeks. Like, and, I, and I'm just going to preface this. I know, Nick, one of your favorite all-time players, like me, is Steve Nash. So what? Do, how do you feel when you see Steve Nash like assembling like all these Infinity Stones on his like Brooklyn Nets gauntlet? To just do you see this as like a revenge season for all like the you know times he sh- you know maybe should have won with the Suns or what do you what do you think of all that? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how much uh, Steve Nash has to do with that. I mean, I think he's just coaching. I think it's the GMs trying to kind of making those moves. But I, it's it's hard to it's hard to blame you know GMs for you know everyone likes to hate on the super teams, and I do too. Like I hate super teams, but it's the only way to win almost nowadays. Like you almost have to do it in order to win. Um, like in order to beat the good Warriors or the Lakers. And of course the Lakers picked up drama. They're like, they're still doing it. 
they're still powered up. Uh, But no, I mean, it's tough to watch because the Mavs really at this point don't have much of a chance when they, when you have the Nets, the Lakers, the Clippers all joining teams and, you know, these teams are so good. It's, it's going to be really tough for the Mavs. <laughs> yeah. And I think like the, that's the difference between like, the Mavs and the, you know, the Nets is like the Nets can like rest like two or two or three of their big stars, but they still have like a team that can, you know, beat bad teams in the East. Like, you know, it's, what's funny is that I thought about it. And when you think that like, obviously, uh, KD went from the West uh, Western Conference from you know the Warriors to the Nets, and then you have players like uh, the uh, like Blake Griffin who played for the Clippers for a long time, and he kind of you know kept running into the the Warriors, and now he's on the Nets, and then an Eastern Conference, and then you see James Harden who kept running into the you know Steph Curry Warriors, and now he's on the Nets. So I feel like it's like funny how like all of these like really good players that were on good teams, but still ran into the super team are just like, yeah, like I can't, I can't do it by myself. And these, these teams sure aren't going to do it. So it's going to jump. I don't know. Yeah. It's annoying to me, bro. It's annoying as hell to me. Like seeing yeah. and LaMarcus Aldridge who are like past their prime, but they're still raw. Like if we had one, if the Mavericks had one net, if we had one net, that would shift the completely shift everything. The shift the whole culture of the team. Like they would be legends in our eyes. Like we might, we we might have a shot to beat some of these teams. I mean, like, I mean, it's hard to say that looking at the Mavs, but like on paper, seriously, with KP, with with everybody on the court and one net, like that changes the whole thing. But these these players see that and they're like, ah, whatever. Like, I'll just go to the Nets. Like, <laughs> yeah, it would be cool to join a small market. Yeah, like that might shake it up. That might make the league interesting. That might, you know, that might give, you know, I, I might get paid a little more. I might make it, you know, I might get some more benefits here, whatever, whatever. But whatever, like, I'm just going to go to the Nets. Like, uh, I mean, it's, I feel like it's an incentives issue with the league. And it's something that really it needs to be addressed as a, as a structural thing. And I don't have the answers, you know, but I agree, but just, if you're going to get a max contract and you can get it anywhere, you know, I mean, I guess, you know, for the guys who are these veterans who are signing for minimums just to be able to go play with a team, like this is a different situation, but even for max contract players, if you're going to get a max contract somewhere, why would you not want to do it in the place that's going to give you the biggest marketing opportunities? That's the best place to live. I mean, it's it just comes down to a point where a team can't they literally can't offer you a better deal. So then somebody you're expecting someone out of the goodness of their heart to say, all right, I'm going to stay in a town I'm not from and deal with a disaster of a front office because I'm loyal. Yeah. And then what do you get rewarded with? Nothing. Yeah. I mean, you look at like Dame Lillard, most loyal guy to his team, and he's probably not going to win a championship in Portland. It's just, just, it sucks, but like that's the league. Yeah. It's, it's just hard. It's like they, like the team like Portland has to draft super well, or like get that sneaky off season signing. That's like undervalued and then pops off type thing. Like they, they can't rely on the, their biggest free agent was mellow. Okay. So like they, they, they <laughs> and he only went there cause no one else would take him. So <laughs> I just, 
it's it's tough to watch like you can only hope that um like in the I, I don't know. I, I just think like what, what the Mavs might have to like counteract that is like Luca can be like their, uh, uh, he'll try to bring the Euro guys in. He'll get all like, cause I feel like the Euro I guys mean, respect we, him. Like nobody's full business. Euro, we've gone the full Euro strat where yeah. we're, we're trying to push the Euro meta. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Like something going on. There's some weird, there's some I, weird European thing going on. with the I just don't know fans. if like these big free agents are going to be like, yeah, I'm going to team up with Luca, you know, like, I feel like Jokic might consider it if, you know, if, if something went down in Denver or whatever, but like, I, I don't know if I'm, I'm curious what happens this off season. Cause this off season, we have a lot of money. So I'm curious on who, uh, who we're, we're able to bring in, um, with, with all that. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, it, I'm I'm kind of for it. I mean, I'm kind of for the European style. Like, like let's go, like, let's do it. Like, I mean, it was as much as I hate the Spurs. Like, it, it worked for the Spurs, you know, back in the day. Um, yeah. And if Luca could do it, and that's that's kind of why I do still have some faith for the Mavs. Is just because Luca is the one guy in the league that can kind of carry a team that's not LeBron James. He needs, you know. he just needs some like good three point shooters around him. Cause he just creates so many open looks that if you can hit an open shot, you're going to get a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. He makes, I mean, he makes average players like good. Like he's, <laughs> he improves, he improves shooting percentages for all of his teammates just cause they're like wide open shots at this point. I mean, he, he's, he's so good and, and he needs, he needs better players around him. I think he needs better shooters. I think you're right. Yeah. And I think like he needs Porzingis to show up on a consistent basis. I think like if, if Porzingis is playing all these games and getting all these reps and just like, you know, getting more in sync with Luca, I think we can be a dangerous team in the playoffs, but you know, I feel like they're, they're comfortable resting. Hopefully they just rest Porzingis if they have to rest somebody. Um, but it's just amazing. It's, it's, it's hard to watch like such a great player like Luca already in his third year, just like can create his own offense at will and can create, you know, create better shots for others at an insane rate. And then you see him pass to like Dorian Finney Smith. And then it's like a clunk. Oh no, God, that could have been an assist. Never mind. Let's give my hopes up. And it's on his fast break, and then he'll like miss the layup, turn it over, and it's like that could have been two more points, but now it's like two points for them. Like, oh god, so many moments. But you know what? <laughs> There's like like Kleba. I love Kleba, and Kleba's getting like he's like a top three point percentage. He's like top ten in three point percentage this year. So he's playing a lot better, and like we need guys to do that, like step up and have really good three point percentages. <laughs> Yeah. Just make these wide open shots. I really think like <laughs> last year, like after you know going down the line, I think we're gonna look back on the Mavs and be like last year, the bubble year, that was our year. And it sounds crazy because the Lakers were so good, but we could have gone to the conference finals when you look at it. Yeah, hey, Pete right. was healthy, and and the thing is, Maxi had an ice cold bubble. He had an ice cold bubble, and like I love Maxi too. And last season, he was shooting almost forty percent, maybe over forty percent from three, and and then he had a trash, trash bubble. If Maxi stepped up, if he at least played to where we know he could play, and if KP was healthy, we could have like the next series against the Nuggets would have probably would have gone our way. 
you know, like we saw what they did to the Clippers, who everyone thought was better. Um, you know, like last year might have been our year, man. <laughs> and and in playoff maxi, I still have hope that that's the thing. Last year, <laughs> I, we we had an episode before the playoffs. It was like who who's the one player that could that you know could have their playoff season that that could like become a star or emerge in the playoffs and for the team. And my pick was Maxi at the time. And um, I mean, he's he's still playing. He's he's doing. He put the clamps on Julius Randle last night, so yeah. I think that's a good sign. Yeah, he's still shining. But I'm a big Maxi Cleveland fan. That's that's my guy. Call me Maxi. <laughs> what is that? What does that come from? <laughs> like, what is I don't know. That's just his thing. Like his his like signature move. Every time he makes three, he does like the the phone thing. So it's call me. Call me. Okay, I was talking to my roommate the other day. I was like, I don't know if this statistic is kept, but I would like to see who is missing the most um, uncontested three-point shots. Okay, cool. Okay, guys. So you guys see the chart that I have put up here? Nice. I found something. It's not the exact thing I wanted, but this is the the difficulty. Like, you know, further towards the right, it's the easier the three-point shot. Further towards the left, it's the harder, the higher up, the higher, you know, they're making further down, the lower they're making. So as you can see, Luca is taking some of the hardest shots. You, he is taking the hardest shots out of any player, and he's making a good amount of them. And then if you go all the way to the right, and you can see just barely who's taking oh, no. the easiest <laughs> shots in the NBA... <laughs> Yep. And Dodo. 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 All right. Anyway, you can go back. I just I wanted I wanted to I thought that was a pretty important thing to look. He is taking the easiest threes in the NBA and is not at the bottom of the bracket. Me though is is Trey Young is like just to the right of Luca. He's like he was a little bit to the right of Luca. And I don't know, Trey his he's kind of like Luca. He's about an average three-point shooter on paper. But like they take they take ridiculous shots. Like it seems like Trey Young is even worse than Luca in that sense. Like he's got a worse three point percentage, but his range, it's like like he'll. Trey Young has to make it harder on himself because he's yeah. so short. Like he has to get further. Well, there's no way they'll def- you know because if he takes like a real three point shot, he'll get swatted. But like yeah. he has to like get further back to so there's less defense. It's almost like he's shooting half court shots at a at a thirty point clip that, instead of three-point shot even though on paper it looks like he's shooting three-pointers from a 30 there was that one luca step back that he did it against the celtics that was right in front of kemba walker's face and it was like you know super deep yeah and he just like drained it i just thought that was like oh. he his shot selection it's incredibly difficult the fact that he has bumped his three-point shooting and is making these like I don't know. At the beginning of the season, it got to the point where when I saw, you know, that 35 foot step back with 14 on the shot clock, I'm like, what the fuck? But but now, but now it's falling. And, and you know, I, I'm sorry that I ever doubted you. Uh, he's younger than me. I'm sorry I ever doubted you, kid. It's always weird to think about. <laughs> that really fucks with me, man. I hate seeing all these young dudes like dumb, like focus on a level that's like impossible and like just do the impossible and i'm sitting here like bro buying myself another two weeks of my corporate job like, <laughs> like dude, <laughs> it's so crazy to see 22 year olds like going insane and, and- where, where where do you guys stand on like uh like i refuse to buy 
jerseys of anyone that's younger than I am. Like I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I'm, not I'm not doing it. I love, it. I love that policy. <laughs> oh man. I like, I, I agree with the stance. I have not, dude, I have not, well, I don't buy real jerseys anyways. So, you know, I'm not, I'm trying to you know, buy like the Jersey without, without a player on it. <laughs> Luka <laughs> Don coach. <laughs> <laughs> I think what's what's funny is like if you bought keep it keep this in mind if you bought a Dirk jersey in like 2001 like the white home jersey you would be good like for another 20 years like it's good to see it as an investment like he's it's weird though because I remember when uh, like like Joey Gallo was like popping off for the Rangers and he was like. A couple, I think he's a couple years younger than me. And I'm just like, dang, what have I done with my life? This dude's like knocking homers out of or like freaking ballparks. And I'm just like, uh, okay. Like, <laughs> like makes you reflect a bit. I haven't but, bought a jersey in a while. I bought, um, trying to what the last jersey I bought was a soccer jersey. I, I also, I root for the only other team I really root for is um, Tottenham Hotspur. I watch all the Mavs games and I watch pretty much all the Tottenham games when I can. And um, so I bought one of their jerseys. I will buy a player's jersey if they're younger than me, but only because I have the understanding that like, okay, like, like I, it's like I put, the, I pedestalize these young guys. Yeah, yeah. You know, I like pedestalize them. Like if I have a Giannis jersey, it's cause like, okay, Giannis is like, this guy's a monster. Really part of it is like, I want to be like Giannis. Part of it's like, I am like almost putting myself, I'm like Ed, I'm like the Chainsaw Massacre. I'm like putting on his skin. <laughs> You know, like, like, let me, I don't know. Let me be a, be a weirdo about this for a minute. Let me like live my, you know, the, me, the, like, a couple of years ago, my, I used to say, I want to be like a little pump when I grow up. Oh no. <laughs> um, my dog is like attacking me. Uh, let's see. I think that means you, how, let me check on this one. I just remember like anytime I got a Jersey, like we would like end up trading that person or like, uh, like if you don't, other than a Dirk Jersey, like every other player is like subject, subject to trade. It's like, it's like game of Thrones, you know, nobody's yeah. safe. Don't yeah. get invested. Ben, I, I still, I still wear your, um, I still have your Madonna Jersey, bro. I still wear that. Oh yeah. <laughs> fire. It's the old black stars Jersey, like Madonna on the back. That thing, that thing kills it too. Like I'll be getting mad oh compliments. Last uh, last real jersey I bought, it was a I bought a bought a Des Bryant jersey this season, but you know before he left. Uh, oh yeah, I yeah that's another one. So I that got. that that's when I was like, yeah, I'm done. I'm yeah. Hey, I think you, hey, but I got good news for you, Nick. You can buy a Maxi Cleaver jersey. He's 29. There you go. Is he older? Is he older than me? Okay. All right. I can do that. <laughs> I'll do that. I'll get on All Express right now. <laughs> the show. I have, a, I have a jersey. I have a Davy Crockett jersey with an Alamo symbol. I think that he fits your criteria. <laughs> what? It's in my closet. What, what, what team is that? It's uh, it was a custom jersey company back when I was living in Austin, and I was I was doing some shows. I DM'd them on Instagram. I said, if you give me a free jersey, I'll wear it at my next show. And then I didn't do another show, and I never been down there. And I just kind of have this Davy Crockett jersey now. You ripped those guys off, dude. I did. Very sorry. I don't think they're in business anymore. I think I may have contributed to that a little karma. Eesh.
I, I do have a topic um, that I, I want to bring up. I don't know. Have you guys seen the new Space Jam trailer? Oh, dear. Just dropped I today. I flaked on this podcast to watch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I is it out? out? Is it... it just dropped it's today. Yeah. The new trailer. Oh, yeah. We, you it's, know, okay. uh, it's, it's with LeBron James. So, you know, Jay Bonnie's going to be all about it. Yeah. I'm the, I'm I, the from... LeBron guy on the pod. From the brief, <laughs> from the brief moments um, that LeBron is speaking in the trailer, I do have to say I think he's going to come through with a weak acting performance. I don't know if you guys saw him in uh, Trainwreck, whatever that uh, other one was. I didn't see him. Uh, LeBron, he he's he's just he has too big of an ego to let himself go and become a character. And I guess he is playing himself, but even <laughs> then, he has such. An idea of how he wants to portray himself that he can't playing what he thinks LeBron is. And so like his responses, it's like, you know, very, you know, huh. He's just it's not natural. But uh, but I think it's one be fun. part. The Looney Tunes are there, Bugs Bunny, um, he's had a great career, doesn't look a day older. <laughs> we got the they're playing the goon squad, and I think the players that uh they're gonna have in it are Dame, uh A D and then Clay Thompson, Draymond. Thompson. Uh, didn't, didn't Kyle Kuzma make the cut? I, 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 be, I believe. I believe so. I saw a great comment on the Reddit thread that it would be great if like he started on the Toon Squad and got traded to the Goon Squad like halfway through the movie. <laughs> LeBron traded him. <laughs> Yeah, I just like there's just it's kind of there's a weird dynamic where essentially uh, LeBron is having like an argument with his son. This not really his son, a, a kid like you know acting as his son, and he's like, "Oh, there's a basketball camp coming up. You should go." And then the kid goes like, "I don't want to be like you," or like it's just weird, like you know, I want to be me. And then, <laughs> oh man, and then like for some up. reason like this kid takes the elevator that leads them into this whole like dimension or whatever. And I just think it's one of the lines that LeBron said when he's looking for his kid, he's like, man, Will Smith didn't have to deal with this. Don Sheedle is in it. I'm a big Don. I'm a big Don guy. Everything he's in, he's always great. I think uh, you'd know him if you saw his face. He's been in a million things. War Machine. Yeah, War Machine. War Machine in the Avengers movies. He's on Black, whatever. There's so the Wall Street show. He's black. He is black. That's right. No, it was. (laughs) It's called like Black Thursday, not Friday or something. But it was on. uh, It was on Showtime. It was. He was good. He was very good. He did a lot of cocaine. (laughs) He was in the uh, Ocean's Ocean's Eleven. He was the one that says like. You oh, had one okay. job to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, British I know accent. who it is. He's using a British okay, accent. Is he British? No, he's not British. In that movie, he's British. Bro, actors can just do can be any race. It's crazy. <laughs> That's so, so impressive. Um, I'm looking but, forward to Space Jam too, man. I'm excited. Is it gonna be? Is it gonna be better than the first ones? Doubt <laughs> no it. Way, right? I doubt it. I doubt <laughs> it. Really, I don't think any. I think sequels in general. I think that's a tall order, bro. Because like we already enjoyed the first one. Like. What's making it crazy? What's making this one crazier is that they're going into like the Warner Brothers universe. So they're bringing they're expanding it. Like Warner Brothers properties, like Godzilla, Godzilla Pennywise was in the trailer. It was in the trailer. So like Ooh. I think they're just doing too much. I, I I'm on gonna top of the Space Jam stuff. Counterpoint. 
if they didn't expand it, it can't just be like the original because then it like I I really don't like these new sequels where it's like they do, it's a cookie cutter of the original, the same story, but they update it. So now everyone's, you know, talking about hashtags and they use emojis. It's like uh, this at least it, it's become a grander project. And I think the whole reason that anybody wants to see Space Jam 2 is for the nostalgia of it. So the fact that they're expanding it and bringing all these other things in, it's a nostalgia movie and they're treating it as such. And I'll accept that. Bro, I would rather they, I would rather, I'm the complete opposite of you, bro. I would rather they, <laughs> I'd rather they make Space Jam, but like make it shot for shot like the old one, but have LeBron and have new actors in there and have them and have the writing be different. I would, dude, I would like. Yeah, we, okay, we get it. You, dude, we, you love, love LeBron. We get it, dude. Exactly also, we should, we should redo Inception as well and have LeBron play every, it's a shot for shot remake, but LeBron's in it. And LeBron's playing every role and I get to see more of LeBron. I want to see Coach Carter, but it's Coach LeBron. <laughs> I want to see Ray. Sam Jackson would still LeBron. find a way to get in that movie. He'd, he'd find a way in that one. I want to see LeBron playing the lead in radio. Oh my God. That's a deep cut. Oh man. Uh, let's let's let's, let's test his acting range then if we if no. we really like him so much. I am worried about LeBron as an actor. Like he does seem like he's too uh I, I like you talking about you describing you critiquing his like 30 seconds of acting in a trailer is is silly because it is 30 seconds. Of I'm a harsh trailer, critic, but like I, I know exactly which, you know, I could totally see him. Uh, it was a good it was a good analysis of his acting. I appreciate that. I, uh, on, bro. That's where you get the best uh, content, bro. I have zero experience in psychology and I love to psychoanalyze. I just think like you have to remember like LeBron went out of his way to like make a Michael Jordan property Space Jam his property so he's gonna like make it but he is I feel Michael like he's Jordan, gonna make dude, it more about Michael him. Jordan <laughs> and like you know in oh, if you're, not, I don't know any other sequel like this, it's like they'd have the MJ cameo where like, you know how Bill Murray shows up at the end? It would be M Michael Jordan this time. Absolutely not. There will be no mention. They'll be like, ah, some some guy played in the first one. He's kind of washed now, though. No one. Yeah, really I bet you like Bugs Bunny like takes a shot at MJ. They call they called him Prince Jordan, but King James is now here. Right. Yeah. I would love if Bugs Bunny was like, I I feel like we did this before. I feel like we played basketball in a game with somebody like this before. Like, I would love if they referenced it, but it was like they also dismissed it at the same time. That would be fire. Mm. I would, I would, or if somebody, somebody in the game, if they turned to Bugs and they were like, Bugs, you're playing better than you did the last time. It's like, we can't really compare because we didn't have advanced stats back then. <laughs> the refs called it differently this time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Could you imagine they start playing and everything's a foul? <laughs> Everyone's flopping. The goose, the goose oh, one, they, they leap 60 feet forward in order and like throw their arms up. <laughs> And LeBron's like, yes, good like, yeah, that's the right call. <laughs> Just like gives like a death stare. To we need, man. we need the the two <laughs> Space Jam Snyder cut in seven hours. <laughs> also, a sequel to like two other movies, but whatever. Yeah, yeah, that 
that that's gonna be pretty wild i'm sure we'll do a real real deep dive for that one um but i think i think we kind of hit on everything uh thank you nick for for coming by the pod giving us some insight on your your march madness days Dude, this was fun thanks for having me i appreciate it that's you got any uh social media or anything that you want to plug twitter instagram no not really man i'm not okay. all i'm not into all that stuff sorry well there you go <laughs> There you have it, guys. You can find him nowhere. Maybe you'll bump into him <laughs> on, the, on the street. That's what makes this appearance that much more exclusive. We, we got a man off the This street. is the content you Talk will only to get on Buckets and Beyond. He's really tall, though. You guys could probably look outside and like see him from, from a distance, you know, <laughs> peeking over the horizon. <laughs> but, yeah. It's been Buckets and Beyond. You can follow us on Instagram at Buckets and Beyond. We're also on Twitter at Buckets Beyond. Uh, it's been Jay, Ben, Trey, Nick. Peace Thank out. You. Appreciate it, y'all. All right. Take it easy. Adios.